This just in from Just Riding Along Outdoor Media, Matt's Week in Review with an update on breaking bicycle industry news. All right, folks, welcome. This is the first one. So um, as jokingly said on another podcast that I listened to, in case you somehow are listening, without reading the title, this is going to be Week in Review. We're going to talk about news. And we as in me, me and the little mouse in my pocket, because I'm doing this all by myself. I have no security blanket of my friends here with me. So this is going to be news. We're going to talk about interesting things seen in the news within the last week. And this is going to be recorded and published fairly quickly. Meaning today, February 24th, I'm recording and Andrea will have this up by tomorrow, the 25th. Kind of the idea, it'll be a short-ish snippet of things for you to kind of get a let's say not a full in-depth coverage on but just a little bit of a teaser so maybe before you maybe you missed something in the news or maybe it's not something you saw or maybe you want to reread it kind of under let's say the you know anytime you read news you're going to read it through a certain lens or bias and giving a little bit of background info or giving my thoughts on it maybe something you've read you could reread it and see it a little bit differently so with that, I'm going to launch in, and this is how we'll, you know, move forward in the future. So we're recording, I'm recording on February 24th, and got a couple of things to cover. One is going to be Ridley's new bike, that or new level of bikes they're bringing out. Whiskey has a new fork. 24 Hours of Old Pueblo just wrapped up. And Enduro has a new Ambassa Mechanic, Mechanabassador program. We'll have to figure that one out in a moment. But first things first, Ridley has entered the scene with a lowered price Noah and Helium, and they're calling this the Essential Series. And the first thing that really sticks out to me is I feel like this is the road version of Intense's Foundation Series or Foundation Line. I can't remember the exact naming. Yeah, they actually call it the 951 Series. So it's kind of neat to see or interesting you know 951 series essential series and i understand intense is already a direct to consumer ish brand and i don't really know how else to put that they they sell bikes through the bike shop they sell bikes direct to consumers so they're that hybrid model much different than uh specialized is for argument's sake where they're uh you know heavy ibd with the new option to buy direct on all their models you know, I look at this uh, move from Intense, and I view this move from Ridley in the same vein. I feel like this is trying to be a direct competitor, or a it's going to attract the same customer that may be shopping something like a Canyon, or any of the other, let's say, more, and this is going to be very odd, so follow along with me, I, I see both Intense and Ridley as a Tier 2 brand. But I could see them entering in the direct-to-consumer. They would be a Tier 1 direct-to-consumer brand, if that makes any sense. And I, I just say that because I don't consider them to have maybe the same tech, the same, let's call it full-blown, full-service, full-race support and whatnot that you might see from a track specialized, you know, one of the really big players in the game. And I understand Ridley has like a world tour team or sponsors a world tour team and Intense has, you know, factory racing for sure. But 
just I think it's a it's an attempt to hit a price point that they've never hit before and try to be a little bit more enticing and allow riders to you know maybe somebody wants something a little more boutique than a canyon or you know a little different than a trek or a specialized and this will allow them to enter that at a different price point and maybe start to have a lifelong customer built at a different price point you know that customer that's let's say starting a career doesn't have a you know $10,000 budget and they want to buy a more affordable bike to get going with the brand as a, a a brand customer more than just a cycling customer. So that's something that I find to be super interesting. And uh, again, I just saw a direct correlation and I think a lot of it is the essential series versus 951 series, but just something really interesting. And I think it'd be really neat to see over the next, you know, because timelines are so long, I would love to, or I really wonder and I'm looking forward and, and interested to see what we find in the next two years or so from some of the bigger players in the game. Will we see a revised component spec in an attempt to continue to hold market share over some of these more affordable, more hybrid direct consumer-ish style brands? So with that, let's talk about Whiskey's New Fork. It doesn't hold any whiskey, so the name of the brand is really weird. But it's uh, it's made out of carbon fiber. It is for your uh, curly bar or drop bar bike, and it is called the Whiskey Number no. Nine CXLR Fork. Um, and for those of you that don't know, Whiskey does a couple of levels. I'm not going to name them all, but Number no. Nine would be flagship. My carbon fork, my Boost carbon fork, is a, a Number no. Nine fork. Uh, they do offer some Number no. Seven level product, which is a Kind of again, sticking with that tier one, tier two that I used in the last um, coverage or the last little uh, news segment. The the number nine stuff is super premium. The number seven stuff is, let's say, still great workhorse. But pretty cool thing. It's a fork. It's made for your, let's call it light duty bike packing, heavy gravel. It has three pack mounts. It's got a low rider mount. It does not, ha- it has internal dynamo routing, but it does not offer any mounts above the wheel meaning on the face of the crown there's no dynamo or rack mounting or anything like that and the comment section is already saying but you know there's other forks that do that maybe not from whiskey but they do exist it's designed for 700 by 42 or 650 by 50 has a 40 millimeter rake and accepts a max rotor size of 160 and is made for flat mount because it's modern curly bar stuff so with that, I think it's pretty cool because it's this continued, let's call it segmentation of an entire genre of bike. You know, if we go back in time, we've discussed this on JRA, but there were road bikes, cross bikes, and time trial bikes. And now we have, you know, climbing road bikes and aero road bikes, and we've got UCI legal time trial bikes, and then we have triathlon bikes, and we have cyclocross bikes, and we have gravel bikes that are speedy, like the Cervelo Aspero. We have gravel bikes that are, let's say, super capable, like a Warbird. Then we've got drop bar mountain bikes, like a Cutthroat or the Atso Fenrir. You know, that's a, a full blown mountain bike that just has curly bars. We're seeing a segmentation in drop bar. Much like mountain bike, you know, we have everything from rigid single speeds up through World Cup, you know, downhill dual crown bikes and everything in between. And I think it's just neat to see kind of as I hypothesized again on JRA, 
the road true road bike i think is in five years going to be something that not many people that aren't racing own and i think we're going to see more all road more light gravel come in um you know, there's some, some let's call it uh, backlash that this doesn't have more mounts. But the reality is, this is a great fork for someone that's let's call it gravel curious or gravel, gravel heavy with adventure curious is what I mean there. So it does give you some flexibility to go from you know 700 by 42 is not a very big tire, so you could go from fast gravel someone like myself, or maybe that's their only drop bar bike. It's their fastest bike they own, if you will, in terms of, you know, riding on smooth surfaces. And it still has a little bit of versatility. So if you wanted to slap some extra bags on it, like an Oveja Negra bootlegger, you'd be able to bolt that up to the three pack mounts or carry extra water for a huge adventure or whatever you need. And I think it's just a really cool thing to see some further division within what has been a very broad brushstroke of a segment of the industry. Uh, I just can't wait until we have a term like down country for gravel, like uh, fast gravel or chunk gravel or gravel XL, something along those lines. Got to workshop that one a bit more. But that is something that is super interesting to me. And I think Whiskey does a great job, kind of with all their products. For those of you that don't know, Whiskey falls under the Quality Bike Parts umbrella of brands, which includes, but is not limited to, Salsa, Surly, Whiskey, Problem Solvers, and again, a bunch that I'm sure that I'm missing. But there's a, a let's call it a brand of companies, a company of brands, uh, you know, they have a big parent company, QBP, and each arm of that company is doing really cool things if you get a surly you know that it's got metal and everything's metal and it has every wart you can imagine if it's a salsa it's probably a bit speedier and made out of something a little bit nicer whether that be nicer steel aluminum or the carbon fiber and then you know whiskey does a ton of great aftermarket stuff i know they make alloy stuff but they have really cool carbon options they make some nice bars they make some nice uh, forks they make really cool things and then problem solvers is just that you need that weird little whiz bang doodad to convert this to that they make it great example would be the zinger which allows you to run an xd mountain bike or sorry just xd uh free hub single speed without replacing your free hub is it heavy yes is it super easy to use not exactly is it a better option than sourcing a free hub if you're in a situation where maybe that free hub doesn't exist, meaning you know you have a pretty low-end wheel and it's hard to find a free hub? Or maybe you're in a situation where you're not super tech-savvy and you want to be able to literally just change the cassette and the, the Zinger unit, once assembled, goes on and off like one big piece. My, I'm going on a tangent here, but my point is, is they make problem-solving bits, and they name their company aptly so. Uh, moving on, we have something really cool that happened over the weekend. 24 hours of Old Pueblo. Um, I definitely was sad I was not there. I went in 2018 and tried racing, and that's when my then shop owner and boss left in a Whirlybird helicopter and... Everything kind of went to pot after that, you could say. I did ride some more, but, you know, definitely tough when your boss and friend is in the hospital with 
bad problems. So I went back in 2020 as the Revel and Y-Cycles demo driver, and I had a hoot, the outpouring of, let's say, hospitality and community that was seen from racers, the 24 hours of Old Pueblo staff, uh, Epic Rides, they put that on, and that crew is absolutely amazing. Everything from the, and I'm terrible with remembering names because it's been two years now, but the on-site people were super helpful. The registration folks were super helpful. Anyone that came by was super helpful. Everyone checked on me. Everyone was great from an event side and then from a participant side. Only had one even mildly, let's say, abrasive encounter with someone and they really wanted to do a lap on the cross bike that I had for demo. And I was just like, that's not a good idea. You only get to race this as a team event once this year. Don't, don't try something silly. There are people out there on cross bikes. They're having a real rough time. Uh, You're welcome to, but no, I don't have any spare tubes. I can't, if you get a flat, you're, you're going to have to walk. It's not a good idea. That was the closest thing to a bad encounter that I had all weekend. So I really liked that event and I really enjoyed watching or watching it from afar even um taylor ladine is a super cool dude and he's had a little bit of a rough go unfortunately that continued as we went into 2022 but he set the he won and set the course record i believe in 18 or set the course record in 20 i can't remember um but he's he's been moving there before and then uh he ended up not having a great time. Josh Tostada was going to race and broke his hand uh, just ahead of the event. So we kind of saw a change into the guard here. We had what I would call uh, a new type of fast entered the chat, if you will. So Keegan Swenson, who's the XCO national champion, world champion. I'm terrible at reading articles and knowing the news. Um, Let's see. Yeah, he's national champion. And he did his first 24-hour event, set a course record, and won. And then the other really cool thing is uh, Leo Wilcox. So that's one end of fast. You know, XEO is super short, super intense. And then Keegan was able to turn that into 24 hours of, let's say, twisting the throttle pretty hard. Not, you know, an hour or whatever of twisting the throttle all the way. And then Leo Wilcox came in and... That's someone who's really comfortable going for multiple days at a time. And she was able to ramp that into going hard for just one entire day exactly, which is a really cool change to see. So uh, she won. Keegan set a new course record at 21 laps. Lale won at 17 laps. And that was pretty cool. So I'm just really excited to see some other folks from, let's say, that ultra endurance world maybe try their hand at some of these, let's call them speedier events. And the flip side, seeing someone come from that ultra speedy world and try to do some of these longer, more diesely events. And, and you know, it's all, it's all relative, right? So for a person that rides Tour Divide, 24 hours is very short and extremely hard. And then for someone that does, you know, national championship winning XEO, Going for 24 hours is probably an exercise of patience, and I'm sure it was extremely hard to meter for that, comparatively speaking, whereas Lael would have had to have convinced herself to go harder a lot, I'm guessing. haven't talked with either of them personally, but I can just assume that's how that would 
feel from that uh, from each of those riders' perspectives. And then last thing, as I said, Enduro has a new ambassador program. So are they mechanic ambassadors, ambassador mechanics? I really don't know. Um, it seems pretty cool. Enduro is going to make a big push that, hey, bearings are important. It's what your bike turns on. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, I made a pun. I couldn't help it. First episode, I made a pun. I'm sure Andrea is going to edit that one out. But they've ra- uh, rolled out this program with seven folks, four of whom happen to be female, which is great. I mean, it's assumed that if you're doing anything cool in the bicycle industry, you're male. So recognizing females that are doing that and putting them in the limelight they deserve is really cool. So I'll run through this pretty quickly. We have Tim Nichols, who is a founder of Cycle Church Cycles and is Yuri Hoswald's mechanic. We have Dan Large, the owner of XL Velo, and he is the Volvo uh, Neutral Road Support Pro Race Mechanic. Dan Castelli-Strader, who's the owner of Torrenti Cycles. Anna G. I'm going to stop there. She's the owner of Circle Bike Shop. Circle Cycle Bike Shop, sorry. Jenny Kalista, who is the owner of the Appalachian Bicycle Institute. Um, and interestingly enough, all three of the above are Professional Bicycle Mechanic Association, either members or presidents. And then we have Kate Colesbury, who is the Giant Live USA Quality Control Manager. And Drew, I'm going with E because I don't want to get it wrong, who is the Maxis Factory Racing Manager and Mechanic. So some really high-level folks in the industry, kind of covering other everything from someone like Drew, who is, you know, factory racing, or Dan, who's, you know, pro race mechanic. And then we have some shop folks in there as well, along with that Appalachian Bicycle Institute. So kind of covers a big mix. I'm, I'm really glad that it's not seven white dudes who are pro road race or all, let's say, Enduro World Cup mechanics or something like that. We see a, a real, let's say, slice of a, a varietal slice of the in- industry here because we have a little bit of everything, which is really cool. So really, really interesting to see where this goes. I know that bearings are important. Our bikes go on them and they usually keep things quiet if your bearings are happy. So yeah, there you go. Enduro makes great stuff. So if you need bearings, maybe check them out because they probably make the size that you need and it's probably a quality bearing. And it's probably much better than that 10-pack for $7 you'll find on eBay. So, I think that's all that I have for today. This is the first one of these. If you have any news that you see come up and you want to have that included, or you think it's something you would like to see my bit of flavor, or let's call it even my bias or my lens of how that news is coming across, I make no promises that I'll cover them all, but you can go to the Contact Us page on the Just Riding Along Show website. And you can send over some links and we're happy to, con- I'm happy to consider it for a future episode. Thanks for tuning in to this week's news. Until next time, take care and ride safe.